This episode is sponsored by Social Venture Partners Boulder County, a nonprofit with a unique mission to strengthen other nonprofits. We can help you implement the strategies, processes, and leadership you need to advance your organization to the next level. Check us out at svpbouldercounty.org. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back. Happy Monday, the first Monday of April. What? It is almost spring. Well, considering... Wait, no, it's already spring. It's already spring. It's <laughs> Damn already... it. <laughs> March 21st, right? Yeah, there yeah, we go. Okay. Um, I'm so excited for it to be the first week of April. Yes. Um, because right now we're recording it at the end of February. March. It's March. What? It is March, honey. March 1st? It's March 1st. Holy cow. Um, now but, people know that we have recorded this a full month in advance, <laughs> but it <laughs> is, we're both alive. <laughs> but so that's, what's so fun about recording these in advance because then we're thinking to the future and who knows, <laughs> who knows? I mean, I hope it's 75 degrees outside right it now. It could be a blizzard. It's true. It's Colorado. Yeah. We could have two feet of snow. You know, the one thing we do know, hmm. our new website launched. What? <laughs> Um, is that the news, the big news that I almost gave away last week? Yes, it and is. And everybody has been, you know, waiting for this day to come to they find out. They have been pounding down our doors wondering what was Brittany almost going to tell us? What is it? What is it? A website. Brand new website. Check it out. It is at thenonprofitreframe.com or nonprofitreframe.com. We own both domains. What? <laughs> Ballers. <laughs> uh, but we have an awesome, awesome person behind us who has been working tirelessly to build out this website. So you've got all of the content, all the past episodes, you've got show notes on them. You have full transcripts. So if there's a piece in a, an episode where um, one of our accents is too strong, you can't hear us, you don't understand, or you just want to go back and get that quote, you can get all of that now on our website. Wonderful. Thank you, Patty. We love you. Mwah. I will say, I was just re-listening the, uh, I think it was the Grants episode. There's a part where your accent is so strong. What accent? It sounds like you're from Canada. What? (laughs) I'm sorry, but Ohio is the home of no accent. Oh, honey. It is. Did you know that, um, like, news people come to Ohio to learn how to not have their accent? Okay, sure. Yeah. Whatever you need to get through the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What else? Oh, I wanted to mention that I'm so excited for this Friday. Thursday, but yeah. Oh, it's on Thursday? It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have been stressing so much because you thought it was Friday? Yes. I, 100%. I mean, now you got me nervous that it's Thursday. I thought it's on the 6th. Well, here, let me look at my calendar while you explain what you're so excited about. Okay. So, <laughs> as you know, Nia and I are lovers of podcasts. 
Um, I'm hence- glad you added a podcast after that. <laughs> Mia and I are lovers. <laughs> <laughs> Our poor husbands are hearing this for the first time. That's going to be one of the questions for the AMA episode um, of podcasts. And one of our favorite podcasts is called My Dad Wrote a Porno. <laughs> and it's hysterical. You should check it out. Um, it's also, uh, what's it? Explicit rating? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's another one in our explicit bucket with us. Yeah, exactly. And they do, they travel around the world and do live shows. And so they are coming to Denver this Thursday, I guess. And we're going to go see them live. Yay. Yay. We should double check this because you bought the tickets, but I definitely have it on my calendar for Thursday. Okay. I'll double check. The Um, internet says March 5th. Yeah, I'm right. Thursday. Okay. Yay. Thursday. You get a whole extra day. That's so much better. I know. (laughs) Um, Hashtag podcast goals. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? If we did a live tour. I, I think about that all the time. I do too. I want us in those big chairs yep. up front. Mm-hmm. A glass of rosé. Exactly. Um, we would have really specific thing in our rider about the green rooms having cream pies for you. And I don't know what I would want. Maybe dark chocolate of some sort. Dark chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an extra mirror on our way out so we could check our teeth. <laughs> I always am worried about that. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, you got to put it out in the universe. Um, oh, it's starting to snow. Put it out in the universe and it'll come true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Manifest. It's happening. It's going to happen. We're right. going to manifest it. We will be on a world tour in New Zealand. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> <laughs> but until then. Yeah. Well, let's record this episode. Yeah. What are we going to talk about today? We were thinking. We, you, me, yep. we're thinking that it would be helpful to have a conversation about administrative and program staff. Uh, yes. You know, often we see kind of a divide between those two teams. They can be a bit siloed. I mean, sometimes there's even physical distance where you have like admin offices and then you've got program locations. Um, and so sometimes those relationships can be really challenging. Yep. So we thought we'd just kind of break it down, talk about what works, what doesn't, what we've seen. Uh, we got some good stories to share, that kind of thing. Sound good? That sounds awesome. I don't know why I'm asking you because you agreed to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm bought in. Awesome. So how have you seen this go well? Um. Well, I often – hmm. Let me start from my own experience. Okay. Um, One of my best working relationships as a fundraiser um, was with a program director um, where we just had a really great rapport anyway, um, and where she recognized that she didn't understand fundraising. She was totally new to it, but A, was totally willing to learn and was super open to me asking for information, requests. And so the two of us worked so well together that then our teams could work really well together. Yep. Um, I remember when I started... um, trying to kind of explain to her that, yeah, I'm not an expert in what she's doing. You know, she's, we were doing, um, oh, I'll just say it. We were a child advocacy center. So kind of child welfare adjacent, um, but really technical work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually kind of supporting the, um, investigation of, of child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like this, you know, real obvious fluffy, we're preventing child abuse, we're feeding families, you know, it's, it was really, really technical. And so I went to her and I said, you know, I'm, I need to understand this better so that I can relay it out to the public in a way that makes sense um, yeah. as I'm trying to garner support. 
And she would be so great about like sending me articles and being like, hey, I don't know if this is helpful or not. Hey, I've got this training I'm putting on. I think you should come to it so you can get the um, exposure and experience. Um, and then she would be so great about getting her team together when it was like time to talk about grant goals for the next year. And we had just amazing, amazing collaboration. So uh, Amber, if you're listening, shout out to you. Loved working beside you as the development director. Uh, it really was just like the best of program admin team relationships I've experienced. Well, that's interesting. I've had a similar experience um, and I was working at a place that had that physical divide that you talked about. Mm -hmm. Our administrative offices were literally by themselves. Oh, yeah. And then the programs were happening at different sites. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had our senior management team, which was uh, myself as the development director, the program director, and the executive director. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we called ourselves the trifecta. <laughs> and we met on a regular basis. And I think it was so great, exactly what you described, of both being aware. So, you know, as the DD, being aware of what's happening in programs and vice versa. Um, and he would actually even come to the weekly development meetings. Oh, nice. Yeah. So having that crossover allowed us um, just to really build a culture of philanthropy within yes. the organization. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, credit to the executive director who kind of facilitated that. Mm -hmm. yep. And so we felt like we're all on the same team. Yeah. And that's what I think sometimes happens is that it feels like we're playing for different teams. Oh, yeah. Well, if I come into a client's organization and I'm hearing from um, fundraising staff that like they can't get what they need from program staff, like the information, the stories, the data, and I'm hearing from program staff that like fundraising is icky or, um, oh, somebody just described it to me as evil. Oh. Fundraising was evil. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. But a necessary evil because it's how I get paid, was what they said. Oh, gosh. You know, like, okay. you can tell, even in just like that initial discussion, like, the, these are so siloed. Mm -hmm. They clearly, like, they don't have that mutual respect, but they also don't have a mutual understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like, fundraisers want you to go out and do amazing programs, and they want you to do that really well. And then. What they're doing is conveying that to the public so that they can get support. Right. And then as program staff, you want your fundraisers to be equipped to do that because it does pay the bills, but it also allows you to have a say in programmatic growth and engagement and, and how your causal area is impacted because of the community support. When we can like genuinely have that relationship, it, it is going to strengthen everything. Um, but when it erodes, oh my gosh, it can be so toxic and just so and toxic, not a fun place to work, quite frankly. It's true. And you know, I, I really think it speaks to the bigger culture of the organization mm -hmm. and, um, maybe someday we'll do an episode around just culture because, oh, yeah. and how you build it Oof. and, you know, it's, do you have it? Do you, Where do you find it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not it easy to do. Yeah. Um, but there are little things that you can do that can help support it. And, um, we talked last week about boards mm -hmm. and a lot of the same things that we spoke about last, last week with boards also applies this week yeah. with staff mm -hmm. in the sense that, um, 
the place that I worked at that I told you before, I thought it was really great. Um, as part of the culture, we encouraged administrative staff to volunteer in programs. Yeah, absolutely. And for a while, it was, you know, you can t- go up to two hours a week, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might be making that up, but it sounds right. <laughs> um, you know, the sad part is, and I'm the first one to admit it, I never made that as much of a priority as I should have mm-hmm. just because everybody's so busy. Yeah. But if, and again, we mentioned this last week, there's that intimidation factor. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't. I don't know what it's like to work with this population directly. And mm-hmm. what if I say something that's wrong or do something yeah. that's wrong? And and so are we also equipping the entire staff mm-hmm. with the training and knowledge yeah. so that they can come in and out of those program areas mm-hmm. feeling comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were just saying something, and it made me think back to our budgets episode where uh, it sounds like you had a really nice coming together of, you know, your program team saying this is what we need to build and improve our programs, your fundraising team coming together and saying here's what we can afford to raise, you know, right. like, this is what's reasonable. And then you and know, we both show our number yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then see what the divide is. <laughs> but it's so great to have those open conversations too because, again, it, it reflects on what we're all doing. And at the end of the day, we all just want to feel valued right. in our jobs. Sure. And that's such a great way to be able to do that. Well, and it gives that mutual respect, what you were saying earlier about, oh, wow, you you actually need another person in your programs because X, Y, and Z is happening, and that's why you want to increase your budget by $50,000. Right, right. That makes sense. I understand. Totally. Oh, but now program looks at it and says, wow, this is what you think you can raise, and I'm asking for more than that. Yeah which means you're going to have to go above and beyond in order to get it. And I know that's not easy. Mm -hmm. Another place where I think that there's um, some natural opportunities for collaboration is around volunteers. Yeah. Um, You know, so often we've got a volunteer. I mean, if you have a volunteer manager who's like on staff, amazing. Congrats. You have arrived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that, that person can kind of walk between the spaces too because they're certainly working the de- with the development team to understand what the the donor base is, you know, because you want to be able to tap your donors into volunteer roles, but also to hopefully be relaying info back. And then you're walking into the program spaces to understand where there are volunteer needs and where you can plug people in. Um, and when when you've got a volunteer program that is really uh, well aligned with your mission, it can so much enhance both your programming and your fundraising. Yeah. So it's really fantastic. I worked for um, a university for a while, and I wasn't in fundraising then, um, but we all had to learn uh, de-escalation tricks and tactics um, because I was working in financial aid and people would get a little testy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of angry parents calling me in those days. It's not a fun job. (laughs) Doesn't sound fun. Uh, any of you going to school, sending kids to school, be nice to the financial aid office. Yeah. <laughs> That's the lesson. Um, but it made me really appreciate those those tools and tactics because I would be on site with a volunteer who might get escalated, and I knew how to effectively you know, calm that situation or client or any of those. And then I started to think about, oh, how great would it be if we were able to provide that kind of training to our entire staff, yep. but also in the context of like um, customer service almost, Mm -hmm. but often we don't do that. And so then we have program staff managing volunteers when they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Somebody gets upset. They 
they go off, the volunteers piss. I mean, like things can escalate so awfully. And really, as organizations, we're putting our program staff in those bad positions yeah. without equipping them with the skills and tools to, to really handle it. Um, and having been yelled at by a number of people in my careers, those are skills that you really have to build. Like that yeah. doesn't just happen where you know, okay, this is how I'm going to get this person to stop cussing me out on the phone. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. I love this idea of having multiple trainings for the entire staff, yeah. um, having trainings about programming mm -hmm. that the whole staff goes to. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to say the magic words, power dynamics. <laughs> um, there is a power dynamic at play that I don't, doesn't need to be there. Yeah, it shouldn't. That's what's really interesting about it. Um, and it's all just through perception. Yeah. But, you know, I've worked at multiple places where the divide between administrative staff and program staff wasn't a different building, but it was within the building. Yeah. And both places that I'm thinking of, the administrative staff are on the second floor. Mm -hmm. So top floor, programs happening on the first floor. Mm -hmm. And so there's this top bottom yeah, yeah. perception. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, administrative staff tends to... Because they're going to meetings or doing whatever. Maybe they dress differently than the program okay. staff yeah. because the program staff is getting down and dirty with clients and whatever they're doing. And so you have that too, yeah. right? That they look different. Oh, totally. Just yeah. by what they're wearing. Mm -hmm. And so there's this perceived power dynamic that does not need to be there. Well, it's interesting because I think it also goes both ways. Like. As a fundraiser, I would often like longingly look at the program staff and be like, wow, what you are doing is so meaningful. Yeah. Like I want to have that impact. I've also had program staff, uh, this was in a really, really toxic workplace and uh, needless to say, this person didn't last very long, but who came to me and said, I don't know what you're doing. Get back to raising money for my paycheck. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was rough. Um, so yeah, I mean that. But all of that, like you said earlier, it comes back to culture. When we have mutual respect and understanding that we all are doing this work and we are all needed mm -hmm. in order for this work to happen and happen effectively, then we can we can start to erode those silos and those walls and the, the stairs yeah. <laughs> that live between us. Well, I see that play out so much in grants. Oh, yeah. And we talked a little bit about this. We touched on it in our grants episode, but not equipping um, staff with the right tools or mm -hmm. skills to be able to pull the data yeah. and evaluation. Um, and especially if you don't have the most efficient systems in place, yeah. which let's just be frank, most of us don't. Right. And it takes so much time yes. and effort, and so it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And nobody wants to do it. Mm -mm. And the program staff are like, this is taking forever. I don't have time for this. Yeah. And the fundraising staff that are putting the grants together are saying, I can't make up data, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So you have to give me something mm -hmm. because I'm trying to get money so you can continue this work that you're doing. Right, right, right. That you're so busy with. And so... <laughs> It's kind of this double-edged sword where, I mean, both parties are inconvenienced, mm -hmm. and yet they just need to work together Yeah. in order. I mean, it is a fundraising reality. Totally. Until that shifts and changes, we're still going to be applying for grants, mm -hmm. so we might as well find out a process that works well for everybody. Yes. 
can I just take a step away from the topic at hand and say I'm so thrilled that we're 16 episodes in and we're referring back to other episodes I so know, much. We have so much content. <laughs> Yay, us. Uh, but I do, I also want to say, again, when those relationships are really strong, it is so helpful for the fundraiser. So um, I was working with this team. Um, I was the development director and uh, still in the child welfare space. And this was my first job in child welfare. So it was new to me, like that trauma exposure, Sure, hearing stories, seeing pictures about child abuse every day was super hard. And we were at this conference, um, it was me and two program staff, and they made me go to like the all day intro intensive to child welfare. And it was literally eight hours of stories and pictures and videos mm. of the worst things that have happened to children. Um, and I went back to the two program staff and I mean, just like, whoa, I can't believe you deal with this every day. Right. And the two of them were both like, first off, grateful that I had that understanding. And then were so awesome about like helping process with me because they had done vicarious trauma training. Yeah. They knew what that looked like. And I, I mean, it was so new to me. And then as we got back and, you know, we're, we're going through our, our daily stuff, they were they were just this like rock um around that stuff and so amazing at um really helping helping me through working in child welfare even though in an adjacent role cuz i was in the fundraising team right yeah that's great um i think what's also helpful i've been a couple places where we've had all staff retreats mm -hmm. at least once a year and our main focus was around everybody having a general understanding of all departments yeah. and programs. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that, you know, 30 second elevator pitch. Yes. Like, can you, can any, everybody in your organization, ideally, mm -hmm. regardless of their job, should be able to answer the most basic and general questions yep. around everything yeah. around all the different programs around um fundraising mm -hmm. what the budget is yeah how much we have to raise each year i love to do that as a fundraiser when i go into those uh retreats and talking to program staff and say does anybody know how much we fundraise each year yeah and most of the time they don't. Mm -mm. And then i or have how you fundraise for that right. they they see the big event assume that that's where it comes from right and then they start guessing and it's like, higher, 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 <laughs> you know, and I think it makes an impact when, yes, too many numbers and people just, mm -hmm. their eyes glaze over. But if you're saying, hey, look, you know, we're fundraising for $1.5 million or $2 yeah. million, all of a sudden it's, whoa, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. now I understand why this is so important. For one of the organizations I worked with, uh, worked for, we had an, what was it called? Like any door is the right door policy. What does um, that mean? So like if, if somebody were to walk in off the street and ask to make a donation, have an in-kind gift, yes. want to volunteer, Ugh. want to understand our programs more, they could come to any of us on I love staff it. and we would be equipped. Yeah. And it was so great to have this buy-in um, across all of our staff because we all recognize the importance of this. And we were also in an area where people would just stop by, mm -hmm. be like, we saw kids on the door, so we came in. <laughs> Right. I would love to have a life where, like, that's something I could do. Right. <laughs> just walking down the street. Hey, that looks interesting. I'm going to walk into I'll that random office. I'll just take a couple minutes and go check it out. <laughs> yeah. But they would do that. And so for program staff, they were like, yeah, I mean, we want 
everybody to get the same kind of message about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Fundraising team was like, hell yeah. Yeah. We want everybody to know how to donate. Volunteer team, absolutely. We're always wanting people out there recruiting volunteers and recruiting the right kinds of volunteers, which means having the right information. So because every, every person on the team got real value out of that, we could all agree to do it. And so we would have regular discussions. We did quarterly retreats as well, um, but usually it was like for crafts. <laughs> but then we would have, you know, these discussions around yeah. what everybody needed in those every door is the right door conversation. I love that concept. Crafts, me too. <laughs> I do love crafts too. No, I love that concept. I think it's great. And, you know, it just, we talk about this culture of philanthropy or just kind of having this having the bigger picture so you're not just working within your silo. I mean, how many times, I hate to always bring it back to grants, but how many times have you written a grant and you put something that your program was doing and halfway through the grant cycle, they stopped doing that, <laughs> but didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And now you're doing the end of year report and uh, you have to report on why, you know, you only did 40 hours of something instead of 200 hours of something. Oh, well, one of my clients, we put into place this evaluation tool for them a couple years ago, started writing into grants last year that we would have data by the end of the year. And we're writing first quarter grants, or my grant writer is, um, and they don't have the data. And I was like, well, where'd it go? And they're like, oh, we we didn't actually start using that thing that we developed two years ago. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't take money for something that you're not doing. It, I mean, we've told all these funders, here are our projections in terms of outcomes based on this tool that now we haven't even started implementing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that just, Ooh. I'm, I need a Tums. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that if you can build a bigger picture awareness within the, throughout the whole organization, I mean, where I see it, really shine Mm -hmm. and it goes both directions, but I love it when a program person comes up and says, Hey, we just started doing this. Mm -hmm. We just started implementing this new program aspect. And I think that would make our grant really stronger, or maybe that would open us up to X funding that we've never had before. And you're like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I think that some people might hear what we're saying right now and think that we're talking about a ton of additional meetings and no, we're not. No. It is genuinely about these relationships and, and have people feeling like they know enough about what's going on in other departments to be able to have these great ideas that they can share. Right. And and come forward and say, what if we tried it this way instead? Or what if we got funding over here? You know, like it, it is genuinely this group effort. I also want to take us to boards. Okay. <laughs> where where are we going? Where are we going with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have an idea. Don't worry. I wouldn't bring it up otherwise. Um, okay, so so often in board meetings, um, depending on the size of the organization, you'll have multiple staff represented every month or, or every meeting. Um, please, 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 chief executives, board chairs, whoever is setting the agenda, provide ample time for those folks to share. What, you know, whatever your structure is, if you have reporting out, if you have like strategic conversation, ensure that it is, is genuinely a shared time between those different positions. Um, because it, first off, it just feels shitty. Like I've been that staff member who just sits quietly in the corner right. while all the other staff have things to say. Yep. But it also shows 
to the board the importance of this team. Right. And that we all have important roles. If you bring your fundraiser to board meetings and they don't get an opportunity to, to speak, what does that mean in terms of your board's need to fundraise? Right. You're right. Like they're going to downplay it. Similarly, if you've got your program director there and they're not providing an opportunity to engage, then what are we doing as a board? Only fundraising? Right. So when you've got, you know, kind of that, that staff representation, make sure it's really equal in time and participation. And that's where board members, of course, you got to check your power at the door, ensure that you've got that time. But I, I as a board member, love hearing from those you know, department heads directly mm -hmm. because the chief executive is always going to give a bit of a distilled version of what's happening. Yep. And I want my development director to say, here's what's going really well. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's how the board can help. Right. Yeah. Well, and um, going back to what we were talking about again in the boards episode last week. Um, <laughs> oh, I lost it. Damn. I know. It sounded really good. It was good. We're harkening back to another episode again. I know. It'll come back. It'll okay. Well, I'm going to go in this direction for right now <laughs> until I remember. So what I wanted to say is that um, – oh, that's what it – see? It, and we're back. Okay. <laughs> so um, when board members don't get access mm -hmm. to the other staff outside of leaderships mm – -hmm. Um, the staff can be disenfranchised, right? Like, who are these people? Yeah. I don't even know who they are, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the same goes for within the staff itself. Yeah. And that the directors, while they all get to come together and have these meetings across departments, mm -hmm. sometimes the rest of the staff in those departments don't get those opportunities. Yeah. And so I feel like it's imperative that the directors help to bridge those yes. relationships. Yes, yes, yes. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And that's where I think, you know, whatever your leadership team is, having them have a really strong relationship yeah, um, and commitment to similar goals, whatever that might look like for the organization. Because you, you never want your, we'll say, your development director going back and being like, ugh. The program team wants more money for this thing, so I guess we're going to have to figure out how to raise it. Right. Right. When it starts at that top position in your department, then it is going to trickle down and be really toxic. Absolutely. So you want that team to be in lockstep. So the development director goes back and says, the program team has this amazing new program that we are excited to get behind and ensure that there's funding for. Because I really think that that messaging right there, mm -hmm. if it is just what you were saying, if it is negative, mm -hmm. then that perpetuates this divide. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then you become insular to just your team because right. that's all that's safe. Right. And you can't have this us against them No. when you're all working for the same common goal. Right. It all comes back to the mission. Yeah. Right? If you can't get aligned around that, you probably need a new job. Right. Yeah. So what are our takeaways? We had a lot. I know. I mean, I, I think it all just comes back to building relationships and – uh, bringing all the teams together, you know, ensuring that even time doesn't allow silos to occur. Well, and it's what you said. Everybody just wants to feel 